Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read and Weep, a podcast that used to be about books. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording from my apartment in North Koreatown, Los Angeles. And a quick personal note before we start on the show today, I just want to apologize if I seem a bit sleepy this episode. I um, gave blood for the first time a couple hours ago, so whatever percentage of the show is usually produced by my being full of blood, I'm going to be about 8% worse in that regard. Um, also, I'm mostly just tired from telling everybody I've run into that I just donated blood. That is exhausting. <laughs> Making sure people know. What happened? Gotta get your blood point. I <laughs> Uh, I, what happened was a comic, a friend of mine, uh, tweeted a couple weeks ago about he, how he had just given blood and how the person mentioned that donations are really down because of the Karuni. And so um, they needed people. And so I, I uh, was just upset that he got all those Instagram likes and I didn't. So I decided to do it and get my my credit for helping. Model citizen yeah, right there. That's really? what I am. I mean, we make so much of it. Do you know you can just give a pound of your blood away and feel fine? That's crazy. Yeah. There's just I, I need my blood. I, you, I like my blood. You think, but no, you can give a pound of it to kids and then you're fine still. Well, I mean, it depends on where you're giving it and uh, who you're giving it to. But in my experience, <laughs> uh, just giving a pound of blood to kids does not usually work. I, did, I out went to the children's well. hospital was the nearest donation place. So I and I um, I was so tempted when I was checking in to try to do like a straight face and ask the ladies like, I know these are going to be given to kids. Are you worried that my blood won't fit? Uh, and I chickened out. Got that big adult boy. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. Um, anyway, so. But uh, uh, just just blood, not plasma, huh? Hmm, I see. Well, um, you're not allowed to give plasma your first time at this particular center. They needed to oh, do that it. Makes sense. I assume they have to run a bunch of tests on it and stuff to see if it's any good. Yeah. Um, also, I got that my the guy doing the running my donation was like the funny guy at the blood center. Yeah. Um, so when I he he asked me when I had last donated and I said it's my first time and he was like oh great mine too I just watched some videos though I'm pretty sure I know how to do it like, all right <laughs> that's man. a good bit it's a good bit and at the yeah. end at the end he was like all right now um, no exercise and you can't drink alcohol for two years uh, that's really the guy good. a lot of good jokes that's really funny <laughs> actually the main thing they said not to do is like don't exercise and like don't skip any meals and I was like buddy. I've been doing that for 10 years in a row. You thought I was going to make tomorrow the first day? I skipped a meal. Anyway, uh, let me introduce you. That's, that's it. Uh, let me introduce you to your panel. Uh, in Southeast Portland, it's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Uh, I mean, hey, uh, excited to be here. Definitely always good uh, to hear about a friend of mine doing a good deed. Because if there's one thing that Terminator 2 has taught me is that doing good deeds, like checking on a child who might be being abducted, yes. never backfires in a bad way. We're <laughs> <laughs> trying to make a CPU that'll help the world. Yeah. That could yeah. never go any go wrong. Well, that's, you know, they're trying to make a CPU to help their bottom line. You know what I mean? Well, those two... He seemed like those, he wanted to help gamers run faster or whatever. He was having a good... Yeah, he seemed like those, a good dude. Those two poor bastards are my... F Easily some of my favorite characters in movie histories. The my favorite character is his little, uh, his friend who immediately lies to a cop for him. Like, yeah, if you're going to do crimes as a kid, you need, you need a trustworthy, doesn't trust cops, mullet ginger friend. Yeah, who will, who's like, 
a little too concerned about your adoptive parents, but also like <laughs> down to Purdy and listen to Guns N' Roses very yeah, loudly on that little motorcycle. Also joining us today, rounding out our panel, uh, he's at Hungry Hunty on Instagram in Northeast Portland in the Bopo district. It's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Yeah, it's me coming to you straight from Bopo. <laughs> I ate some Popeyes today, you and did. then I got some other Popeyes <laughs> because I didn't like the first Popeyes that much. Which Popeyes am I talking about? Oh no, slanderous! Who knows? <laughs> you can't tell. She's not my mother, Todd. Uh, <laughs> that's my favorite part. That's the best part of the movie. And you can go ahead and turn the podcast off now because that's all you needed to remember is the part where the kid looks back and goes, "She's not my mother, Todd." <laughs> so dope. Well, and. Love that good, good stepdad humor. I love it. Also, you know who gets his? Todd. Todd gets you, it, dude. You do this not, movie hates you Todd. You don't see Todd alive ever again. Well, you yeah. see him alive briefly, for a very a small second. Face. Yeah. Yeah. And then, look, all Todd wants to do is smoke inside and drink milk straight from the curtain. <laughs> and he... Gets punished for doing both of those things. I like the Todd and uh, um, future hero of the world uh, actually seem like they have a lot in common. Like, <laughs> he, he's like, nah, he's a good kid. He just wants to ride a motorcycle and commit crimes. I like him. He just seems like he... Naughty. Yeah, he's fun. Um, before we talk about that movie, uh, I want to tell you a couple things. First up, our podcast today is brought to you, as always, by our incredibly loyal Meat Buddies. I know there are a million things that you could do with your money right now, and literally every one of them is better than supporting this show. But you're still welcome to do it. Read Deshwood.com slash Meat Buddies if you want to help us keep, keep us floating down the tracks for some reason. Also, um, I want to let you guys know a big announcement, um, little announcement. Um, but the three of us are going to try uh, our, 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 we're going to dip our toes into the streaming live streaming world this week. Um, mm-hmm. uh, both, so we have been doing um, slightly condescending film school for all of 2020. Um, it turns out Anthony and Hunter both also know the same amount more than me, which is all of it, about video <laughs> games. And so we are going to be on Twitch um, this Friday, the uh, 18th. Oh, oh. The eighteenth oh, yep. of April this Friday. Nope, seventeenth. Damn. Nope. Nope. 17th. Friday the seventeenth <laughs> uh, at four p.m. Pacific, seven p.m. Eastern. Twelve Greenwich Mean Time. Anyway, we're gonna be uh, on tw- time zones are the worst, but we're gonna be on Twitch and we're gonna be uh, doing slightly condescending video game school. Yes. So we are going to be um, uh, th- well, Hunter and or Anthony are gonna be playing video games, and I am going to be learning and watching, and they're gonna be mean to me. So. Yeah, it'll be like Mystery Science Theater, but for video games. Yeah. Um, and also, you the place that you'll need to go in order to watch that, this is a, we're doing this in partnership with my other show, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, so you will go to twitch.tv slash Space Cats Peace Turtles in order uh, to watch us. And then if for some reason you have a love for the very specific board game Twilight Imperium, fourth edition by Fantasy Flight Games, <laughs> uh, a game that I have a very good idea of exactly how many people know about it, and it is all the people that already know about it. <laughs> Um, go ahead and subscribe to that because that'd mean, be cool. I think that there is no better time to get into a very specific board game than right now. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think this totally makes sense. Oh, and let me tell you something. This game, it'll swallow some hours of your life. You're looking to donate a couple days of your life just because you ain't got nothing going on. You stuck inside. Ooh, this game will eat 
your life, buddy, and let me help you do it. And this is so once again that that web that URL was twitch.tv slash space cats peace turtles. Mm-hmm. All right, space cats peace turtles, all one word. Cats in space, turtles that are obsessed with peace. Okay, space cats peace turtles. Um, that, that should be our slogan. We'll also put this on our <laughs> social. So if you don't remember that, go to our social and you'll find a link. Uh, Friday the seventeenth at 4 p.m. and it will not be entirely linear so drop in whenever you can we'd love to see you on twitch all right let's do a show um before we talk about the movie uh what else have you guys watched this week actually i think i should go first let me tell you what i watched this week yeah uh my wife and i watched the big sleep this week oh nice Ooh. um we and we enjoy some noir when we get a second and we've been meaning to watch it um and uh it's it's a classic bogart and bacall which is mm-hmm. disgusting um, because he's like... Wait, why is that disgusting? Because she's 17 and he's in his 50s and looks like a monster. Um, I thought you were uh, going to say because it just sounds like a, like an unappealing sandwich that you would get somewhere. <laughs> a bogo to bo- it also does sound like it could be like an infection. It's like a gum disease. Um, yeah. But uh, no, their, their age difference is a little gross. He says in the movie, I think he says that he's 35 and I am 35 and I hope I don't look that bad uh, this year. <laughs> um, but he's not. He's like 48 or 50 or something. Um, but uh, and but the, the I, don't know, I don't know if you guys have seen. Have you either guys seen this? I haven't. Um, Anthony? I have not seen it in a very long time. Well, the one of the most delightful things is that um, Bogart is late 40s and looks like he looks and he's a delight on the screen and i think he's great but he you know he looks how he looks and literally every woman he meets in this movie of any age immediately tries to have sex with him like they like jaws drop when he walks into rooms like i it's inter- it's like the whole movie you're getting gaslit about how uh, attractive bogart seems is supposed to be it's very strange but well, you have to you have to remember this was before the world had color right Color adds a lot of dimension to people's sexiness. That's true. Okay. All right. That's you know, fair. when everyone is just shades of gray, it's very easy do to you get think, lost. So, do you think because of the increasing like budgets in movies and more and more people over the years moving to Hollywood to try to get famous, do you think the average attractiveness of actors has gone up since the fifties? Hmm. I mean, I definitely think faces have changed just as a society. Oh, we also, interesting. We also, you know, like, uh, look for different things in leads nowadays yep. or actors. I mean, there's a, one of my favorite things is, uh, like, my wife is watching uh, a lot of, like, classic TV right now in mm-hmm. terms of, like, her, like, comfort food, stuff like Buffy. Mm-hmm. And that was on classic CW TV. Yeah. or WB, you know. Yeah, I was so she sure you were going to say classic. like I love Lucy or something. Uh, no, but she's watching. She's watching a lot of Buffy. It's like a comfort show for her. Yeah. But the point I was trying to make is that that show was from you know the mid nineties. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys taking their shirts off and they look just like guys like <laughs> me or other guys now, right? But now, if it was a, if that same exact show was on CW today, oh yeah, they'd be anytime a guy ripped. took his shirt off, yeah, they'd be disgustingly ripped. And yeah. it's just a really good kind of example of like how quickly standards can change. So, so yeah, I think it was. So you like, think though, you think it's the viewers who are um, demanding more abs as opposed to the Hollywood producers having access to more abs. I think it's a. I think it's a like most things. It's a cyclical. Oh, okay, thing, right? so it's yeah. supply it's and an demand. Yeah, they feed into each other. It's, yeah. you know. This here is one of those nature nurture debates. <laughs> yeah. <y'all. laughs> uh, well, that's what I've been up to. Hunter, what did you watch this week? 
Um, okay, I got a new segment. Oh, I can't wait. Banana, 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 I've been playing the remake of the best video game of all time, Final Fantasy VII. Oh, hey, so am I. Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> that was my rendition of Aerith's theme. Um, if you know anything about Final Fantasy VII, you'd probably just, yeah, I don't know, maybe you got excited, maybe you didn't, yeah, I don't know. You got excited, uh, everyone, everyone loves I, to know the answer to a question. Um, I, also, I'm a good singer, and I use yeah. my my <laughs> little segments to show off my beautiful pipes, um, but I have been busy, busy as a freaking bee yeah. that is, has a, works a really hard job, uh, and even though I've been so busy, I have been shoving my face heart soul <laughs> brain other parts into this game y'all i am all, I've, it came out on friday i think and i've already done played probably 40 hours of the dang old thing wow. damn uh, and, and i am busy okay i do not have time to do Our this whole pre-show discussion there was about how busy you are and how you need to cut back yes. on some things in your life and yes. you didn't mention that you have and, 40 and hours of final fantasy you could remove you, uh, well when you have a crippling addiction to final <laughs> fantasy 7 the remake you can't like do other stuff even though you have all this other stuff you have to do so yeah life does get pretty busy okay yeah you have to ch- you have to chase that minor drake i get it you know yeah i don't I, yeah I yes i'm sure that's a great uh, i also I, have I, been uh playing through the final fantasy 7 remake oh uh, yeah uh so have you completed it yet i am at uh i am at the last chapter where you can do side quests i'm stalled okay. out there because oh. it doesn't feel important to play right now that part but mm. let me tell you man in the back half of this game i am crying Maybe every five minutes. Like this game really? was such a big part of my childhood that the fact that they have rem- I would have bought it if it was like a, a pe- like a fake piece of dog poo on the inside. You know what I mean? I would have given them sixty cold hard American dollars. American that I dollars. Earned. I would give them that for fake dog poo and instead it's uh pretty good and that's yeah. enough to make me cry yeah i have to say i'm i uh definitely join into the friday twitch stream because i i think this will be an interesting discussion but i have only ever played a little bit of final fantasy 7 i so i don't have very much nostalgia at all like i played the first few hours years ago and don't remember it very well um I definitely play a lot of games from this era, but Final Fantasy VII has always been sort of a uh, blind spot for me. So playing Mm -hmm. through it like this now, I'm certainly really enjoying it. Um, But I don't have that. Or are we not uh, announcing we what we're playing? Okay, we haven't we haven't announced that yet. I mean, we will just probably talk about it. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just. I'm uh, very much enjoying it, but I'm not having the. uh, It's not like when I played the. Resident Evil 2 remake last right. year, which is a game also I knew. Also very good. Yeah, a game I knew incredibly well from my childhood. So playing through that, I found to be thrillerating, not necessarily emotionally moving, but that mm-hmm. it is doing that for you. Okay, would you guys oh, like? Would you guys like a quick preview of the kind of insight I'm going to be able to provide on Friday? Then, if we talk about this, yeah, yeah, Great. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Seven. What? I thought it was the Final Fantasy. There you go. So that and more that. available on Friday. <laughs> oh, Alex, that's not that, like that. That joke 
has been made so many times yeah. by like mommies. You know, basically. Yeah, you know that, whose yeah. first time it was? Me, just now. I, that was it. I just disco- discovered it and wanted to share it with other people in case they hadn't heard it either. Uh, well, Alex, I, I can clarify for you why it's called Final Fantasy. No, please so don't. the thing is, please uh, don't. in anyway, 1988, Squaresoft so was a dying design Anthony, company, and they, it was their last shot. They called it Final <laughs> Fantasy. They thought it was the last game they were ever going to make. Little did they know it remade the company. All right, Anthony. That's, that's what, actually true. That's a good, yeah, and a good character. I've never heard you do that yeah. character. Um Anthony, yeah, what, Alex, what I can't wait to introduce you to a chocobo. I I got my <laughs> my wife had never seen a chocobo before this week. I'm against it. I and, think it's against God's law. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm I'm sitting there playing Final Fantasy and my wife is like, What the fuck is that giant chicken horse thing? And I was like, <laughs> it's baby a giant chicken horse? Oh, You're yeah. damn right it is. <laughs> I was like, baby, let me tell you about a chocobo. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Anyway, not, but, not video uh, games. So, that was your segment. Anthony. I have been spending a lot of time playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. And, um, <laughs> you can't but, combine segments into not, one super segment to annoy me. It's a double long I'm Final not, Fantasy VII Remake yeah. special. Um, here's oh, what we'll man. do. We'll we'll have this long conversation. We'll split it up into three parts and sell it to you one thing at a time. <laughs> that is it. Oh, Alex, I don't even know why you're laughing. That's such a good bit. I was laughing at <laughs> a joke I thought of that was unrelated. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> but I, I will mention. I I don't know if I've brought this up on the show, but uh, with the sort of the everything that's going on in the world right now. Uh, and kind of the sporadic kind of crazy schedule that's happening. My wife and I have been looking for something that's sort of short and easily digestible and makes us feel good because that's sort of something we need. And mm-hmm. over the last few weeks, we have started watching uh, a sitcom, which we don't normally watch a lot of. And yeah. normally the ones we do watch are a little bit cynical and dark. Uh, mm-hmm. But we... British. British, yeah. We uh, decided we started watching ABC's Fresh Off the Boat. Oh, uh, whoa! Starring the wonderful Randall Park and yeah. I guess the less wonderful Constant Yu, uh, <laughs> but a whole bunch of great kids in it. Uh, but you know, they're short episodes, uh, and it's just the delight. Uh, it's definitely the type of thing that the later seasons, uh, I think, because it's sort of like roaring success, get incredibly cameo heavy. Uh, which is a little annoying when every episode they're like, oh my god, it's Shaq, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, like that. It's like, oh my god, it's DMX. Like, literally, DMX shows up in an episode. It's well, a nice episode. Changes, um, changes everything. Wait, wait, that, yeah. wait, wait. You're not, you're, you're, you're not screwing with me? No, DMX D- shows up? DMX has a plot line in one of the episodes, yeah. Wow, so X does, gonna give it to you? Yeah, so does uh, <laughs> Billie Jean King... And a bunch of other just random uh, Man, sports. Man, I, I can imagine that I wouldn't be into this show. Uh, like, I hadn't heard it. It was great. And then someone's like, Billie Jean King is on. I'm like, well, now I have to watch yeah. it. I don't um, miss anything that the King does. It is uh, very, very delightful. Very funny. It is, you know, certainly a type of show that you don't, you know, you don't see a lot of things on television with this kind of makeup and cast. I find Randall Polk to be... One of the most delightful uh, human beings on the planet. I just love watching him and anything. Uh, very happy for his success. I was not familiar uh, with him, but he was a guest judge on Top Chef last week yeah. and was a or two weeks ago and was a delight, which you can hear me talking yeah. about on my other podcast. Pack your he's, mics. 
just been one of those guys who I don't remember even what the first thing I saw him in, but he's just been a bit player in stuff for years. And I've talked about this on the show before, but like certain actors or actresses that you just see and you just always like them, so I just sort of root for them. Yeah. And he's been one of those for me. So between this and Won't You Be My Maybe, which was on Netflix last year, he's having a good time. So very happy for him. Very glad to support him. But if you're looking for... 20-minute, fun, charming episodes, fresh off the boat. Uh, The whole series is streaming on Hulu now. Uh, It's very good. I am liking it quite a bit. It's Uh, real good. Just like, the day's been rough. Let's watch a short 22-minute comedy. Anthony, I don't want to, like, I I, I hope you know that this is out, uh, that I'm not ragging on you. But every once in a while, when you, like, sometimes you misspeak, and it's not a big deal, and I let it go. But sometimes you say something in a way that is, like, really a delightful creation. And um, Won't You Be My Maybe is the rom-com starring Ali Wong and Mr. Rogers. Um, Not to be confused with Always Be My Maybe, which is Randall Park's um, you just made it a little "Won't you be my neighbor?" sound, which I enjoyed. Oh, oh. Gotcha, gotcha. I didn't even catch yeah, it. Of, like instead I of so "Always confused. be my maybe," you called it "Won't you be my maybe," which I think is really fun. <laughs> uh, Please, won't you be my maybe? maybe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so again, at, not I'm not making fun of you. It's just a fun accident. No. Uh, uh, yeah, it's I. It's a long title. I take you know it. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take <laughs> That's out. That's exactly right. You know exactly right. Um, actually, since we brought up Top Chef, I want to tell you guys a fun um, movie-related thing, which is that um, this week was their really awkward Spawn Con where they had to do a crossover with Trolls World Tour. And um, so the chefs have to, they end up having to cook, but first they had to like watch a trailer and then react to the Trolls World Tour trailer. And it finishes, and none of them have laughed. And then Padma, the host of the show, goes, well, the music seems good. And then they cut away from it. And it's so delightfully awkward. That's oh, man. It lo- oh, what a, t- they, yeah, what a tough movie. They, they couldn't even pretend to like it. It was tough. Like, that's great. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. Although um, Ezra then wanted to try to make a, a side written weep episode where we talked about it because he had to watch it for his kids and I Ooh. did not want to watch it. And apparently it's about um, the evils of cultural appropriation. So could right. be worse. Uh, I want to throw out a real quick podcast recommendation. Okay. Uh, if, if, if anybody, if you like the McElroy brothers or you don't like the McElroy brothers, whatever, there's a very good, very short podcast called the McElroy brothers will be in trolls too. <laughs> that started several years ago in Portland where the McElroy brothers called the shot they were like, we're going to be in Trolls 2 because <laughs> Trolls 1 had like YouTubers in it. Uh-huh. They're like, we're going to get in the movie. I don't know how we're going to get in it, but we're going to get in it. And they made a podcast where they figured out how to get in it. And guess what? They did get in it. <laughs> so go watch that show or go listen to that show. It's hilarious. <laughs> that does sound awesome. All right. Let's get into our actual topic now. So today. Dun, dun, uh, dun, dun, dun. What? You also have great pipes, so I'm, I'm glad we got some more singing. So this is, this is the continuation of season three, which is Slightly Condescending Film School. And today for Slightly Condescending Film School, in case you couldn't tell from that music, we are watching Star Trek, The Next Generation. No, we watched Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, from 1991, we watched the theatrical cut of it. Um, but yeah, Anthony, uh, Hunter, why are we watching Tr- Terminator 2 at this moment in time? Um, I would, well, it, it kind of seemed, so we're not the most professional show, 
And we don't exactly oh. pick a episode, a next coming episodes till after the previous ones. No, so. I think mm-hmm. we're gonna do more of like a Harry Potter thing, where like yeah. we're gonna make it seem like this all ties together on mm. purpose, but really we were just making it up as we went along. That's what and I think. And then, then years later, we'll just slowly ruin the canon <laughs> via tweets. It'll be great. Um, um, but <laughs> what, what, what? We never what discussed this. But at. Hunter's a woman. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Hunter would. <laughs> Hunter would watch Anthony piss himself before every show. Early on in the podcast, um, they would poop on the floor. Yeah, yeah. man. I think, um, I think this is like what what she has done with that that cinema with that canon is one of the most fascinating things in fiction yeah. history. Hilarious. Plus, while being a massive toaf as well, just coming out mm-hmm. with the worst dog shit politics. Yeah, she has some. Uh, yeah, it's been real, very strange. Real one two punch. Anyway, uh, but anyway, the point is, we spoke about. Uh, I kind of took us down a long road of uh, discussing James Cameron on last Mm -hmm. week's episode. So it felt like a natural kind of conclusion, uh, a sort of end point to get there. But, you know, rewatching this movie, uh, there's a lot of things that I think is you could absolutely take from film school. Great. uh, Mm -hmm. From this. I think if you if you look at how to, you know, frame action, how to shoot it. Uh, I think this movie is a really fascinating study in, like, symbology and how to use iconography to tell the story. Hmm. Uh, it's such a clean film. I mean, it's James Cameron. It's very heavy-handed. It's not very subtle because he's not a man who deals in subtlety. No. But, I mean, the idea of sort of... If you, if you look at, uh, like, sort of strip away the sci-fi... Um, uh, aesthetics and sort of trappings and get to this movie to like the most sort of basic fundamental story right this is a story about a young young child becoming a man and having to like what he loses and gains along the way it's, about a, it's at, about a young child becoming an adult human man it's about an adult human robot becoming an adult human man and it's about yeah, an I'm adult just, female human not getting any more human all right, Alex, you're, <laughs> you're like, getting way too calm. I'm saying stripping it down to the most basic thing here. What I'm saying is, if you look at the way know, this movie uses... Make a joke. Let's make a little joke. Sort of the pol- yeah. Well, school's in session, all right? Get out your pen and paper. Start taking notes here. <laughs> yeah. All right? But I, eyes up on the board, Falcone, okay? Um, I'm going to ask you to see me after class if you keep up with that sass. Ooh. But... It, just in terms of like the the idea of like the rebellious child, the villain is an, a, literally a symbol of authority, right? Mm-hmm. He's, a, mm-hmm. he's dressed as a cop the entire movie. The other yeah. good guy is a motorcycle rider, right? Yeah. Someone who yeah. is like a symbol of iconography. If you look, one of my favorite things about this movie is like if you look at just like besides how genius and how well executed the action sequences are, each of them tells like a narrative just through its setting. So if you take like the um like the first big action set set piece, right, which is mm-hmm. uh you know, it starts in this arcade, he's playing like a war game. He gets chased by this by the T1000 he gets on his motor, small child motorbike and he rides under an overpass on the freeway. He enters an overpass and that's when the action chase begins. The action scene ends when he escapes, rides under a second overpass, now on Arnold's bike while his child bike is like burning behind him. Or like oh, the mental He becomes a man bike. 
yeah, the mental institution scene is a great one of like them riding. They descend into a parking garage on a bike, leave in a cop car as a family unit, out, uh, ascending out of the like garage. Right? There's yeah. like all this really simple stuff that if oh, you like, that's cool. It's stuff you don't notice, but your brain notices and takes it in. And yeah. I think that's like. One of the nice things about James Cameron is because because he paints with such incredibly broad strokes and it but is so specific with them that you can sort of take these like oh wow it's like incredibly obvious if you stop and like think about what he's doing with every scene. I think like the the idea of like the the way sunglasses are used in this movie is really interesting, right? Mm. Like, he, right before he saves Sarah Connor, the Terminator is wearing these glasses the whole time. He gets them knocked off so you can see his eyes, and then he says the line to Sarah Connor. When Sarah Connor becomes a Terminator later in the movie, when oh, she yeah. is going to kill a guy, she pits on shades. Yeah. Because oh. she is now the Terminator, right? Oh, like it's that's just, so it's cool. This, it's this stuff that is just like incredibly uh, as subtle as a hammer to the face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But wait, I think you're being a little unfair by saying that because it's subtle in that I did not get any of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a not part subtle of about you good got versus it, evil, but it is yeah. subtle in terms of the way it's being presented. Yeah, it's. I mean, but it's the type of stuff that you can like sort of take this movie and just if you think about what every image is trying to convey, you know, down to like the Easter egg with the Guns and Roses. Uh, which did a song for this movie, so he put a joke in there when Arnold Schwarzenegger's carrying a shotgun in a box of roses. Oh. Uh, oh. Or like, Guns and roses. What I think is really interesting, so I'm re-watching Terminator 1 and 2 back-to-back, which I did. I don't know if either of you no, did this no, week. Did but I didn't have time, but yeah. Um, what I thought was really interesting was the way that you're not supposed to... The way the first act of this movie... Right. If you had no idea what Terminator 2 was about, let's say you were literally going in completely blind, you're not supposed to know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the good guy in this one. Of course. Right? Yeah. So that's I've seen the, it before and I forgot. So yeah, but it was like, pretty exciting. Uh, it's the type of thing that because I have such a love for this movie, I tried to watch it and like be surprised. And again, that's like a, the like why he obviously dresses one of them up like a cop obviously dresses one of them up like a biker and so that you are surprised when it finds out but like uh, then on top of that like arnold was the fucking killing robot in the first one so like yeah. switching that it's just as far as sequels go i've never like like i don't think i i can i can think of a single sequel premise as beautiful as the terminator being reprogrammed to help you like that That's that true. twist yeah. And that reason for this movie to exist is so compelling and so great. And also watch like watching him be that, watching him be a Terminator, but who's like wanting to love, uh, is yeah. just so fun. <laughs> uh, it's it's a really brilliant it's a brilliant next step. And it and it's hilarious. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's funny. And he, it's also Arnold Schwarzenegger should legally only be allowed to play robots. It's so perfect yeah, for I him. I mean, it's. It is truly like the the Terminator films are so um, specific to Arnold's strengths as an yeah. actor. Yeah, um, being you know, big, I, not being able forget, to emote. It's perfect. I forget who put this idea in my head. This is just a side thing, but it's so such a shame 
that James Cameron never got never worked with a young Tom Cruise uh, because the oh. movies and like them both being lunatics who will do anything for good cinema yeah, yeah. Uh, would have made some really cool action movies. Yeah, for sure. I think Tom Cruise would be dead had that <laughs> partnership happened. <laughs> Tom Cruise would no longer be alive. <laughs> he would have, you know, uh, learned to fly jets and helicopters years before. Uh, yeah. Right. But, Hunter, what's uh, your but yeah. side of that? That was a really great um, introduction to it. What's your side of the film school stuff from this that you want to add to that? I mean, I second a lot of the things that that Tony just said. I think uh, I think James Cameron uh, makes things makes movies that are fun to uh, talk about in this way because there's so many ahas because everything is kind of easily unearthed. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like the things that are that are buried in the movie are very sha- shallowly buried in there. You know what mm. I mean? It just takes a yeah. little bit of explaining and you're like, "Oh, aha, I like I get the movie." Um which is not we're not actually trying to condescend to this movie uh in talking about it like this. I actually think it's really hard to do that. Yeah. I, it is really hard to make a movie that is compelling, has a good premise, and all of the like uh, subtext is easily digestible to basically to where basically anyone could get it if they just spent a little bit of time yeah. watching the movie and thought. I mean, about that's it why his movies are not just so big in terms of like you know their budget, but in terms of the way they're received because it's like the term four quadrant gets thrown around a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But he makes, like, the ultimate, like, anyone can see this movie and understand his incredibly simple iconography, right? Right. You look at uh, anything, his, you know, he's very much, like, the first act of his movie is all set up. Everything in the first act is going to get paid off later mm-hmm. in the third. Um, but his films also work, like, the cop and biker gang iconography works in, like, any language you see this movie in. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's stuff that is like even if you don't. Well, but if this, but I guess that it is kind of interesting that you're saying that that's such obvious iconography. Since in general, I think a lot of things that cops do is okay and helpful, and a lot of things biker gangs do is bad. Right. Well, I mean, but, but that's but that's the that's, whole point, right? Yeah, it's sub, it's subverting it. Right. It's saying. You're seeing the Arnold with the bikers, and you're meant to think, oh, this is the bad guy, and then the one that's dressed as a cop is supposed to be the good guy, and then there's the whole switcheroo. Um, I do think it is interesting that the movie is super A-cab as hell. This movie yeah. does not like cops <laughs> at all. Yeah. It hates cops. The bad, the bad robot keeps becoming a cop when, as far as I can tell, he does not have to. He could wear right. it anything. It is interesting, the fiction there. <laughs> yeah, He could become any person he's ever touched... Yeah. And he decides to stay in the first one, the cop body, including the nicely pressed cop uniform, which he does not have. Like, he's metal. He could wear anything. He could wear that guy's just the shirt untucked, you know? But he's, like, all the way cop. We don't call him James Woke Cameron for nothing. (laughs) Uh, I mean, no, I mean, there is something, too. I think that, like, James Cameron is one of those directors. Like, he definitely is, like, a very weird guy in his mm-hmm. in his real life um he's the most intense ca- i didn't know they made canadians that intense like that's what i think <laughs> right. of when i think of james cameron like i don't know how canada gave us this this fucking lunatic but 
he does make movies with like populist messages that are usually subversive. It's like a big part of why, like you know, we discuss kind of the political failings of something like Titanic. But mm-hmm. I do think something like Avatar, which is also very simple, but is like really, really against military intervention yep. and the war machine in general. Yeah, it's um, really just into like just hanging out with your favorite tree. Yeah, but I mean that's like his his messages in in like I think he usually kind of treats a cops and authority figures like this. Well, because I think a part of it is probably like no one's gonna tell him what the fuck he can do. So cops are like the ultimate example of that. Oh yeah, um, he doesn't take authority very seriously either. Yeah, but it's it is <laughs> like he he certainly is the type of person who is really good at tapping into sort of these things that audiences want but like i like i think hunter was right alex like it's supposed to be that the cops are the good guys and the bikers are the bad guys and that's how Mm -hmm. he's like switching with it but if you look at it as a story of growing up and maturity a part of growing up is realizing that like the authority figures aren't right all the time, right? right. You have to take yeah. some... Yeah, the, uh, like, pe- your teachers, your step-parents, your, the cops, they're all going to tell you what to do, but you don't listen to them because a robot from 2029 is telling you <laughs> that in the future there's a nuclear disaster and you don't want to be part of it. Yeah, right. I mean, but when a robot from 2029 tells you there's a nuclear disaster, oh, for sure. I yeah, listen, listen to that robot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Unless it's the second robot and then you don't listen to that robot because he's the yeah. bad robot. He's just trying to trick you into killing you. Well, that robot doesn't talk. That's the pro- difference, you know? When he does talk, it's... he seems like kind of a nice dude. That's a weird thing. So it's a good choice to have him stay evil. I also think that's, I think that's intentional, too, because he talks a lot in his first scene. Uh, so as I think to make you start thinking like, all right, this is the good guy one, and then the other one's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. I, um, okay, so let me do, for those people who have not seen Terminator 2 in a while, we've given a lot mm-hmm. of it, but let me just give you a, a, a precise three-sentence summary of it. Um, well, and, I, and a bonus sentence, because uh, there's going to be a previously mm-hmm. on, so previously on Terminator. So in the future, humans and robots are fighting, and they send one... Uh, they each send a hero back. So one robot and one person come back and the robot's trying to kill this baby and the human's trying to stop it. Great. Um, it's actually an unborn baby inside this woman. Anyway. Well, um, unconceived Unconceived. Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, because basically this movie, is the, the, the Terminator series is what if you took the grandfather paradox and just mm-hmm. really lived in it over and over and over and over again? Um, right. But anyway, so so that's so unconceived baby. So they try to kill the baby's mom. Great. Okay, so now new movie, Terminator 2. Ten years later, the son exists now, and he doesn't like authority, um, which ends up making sense because a time-traveling Terminator dressed as a cop just time-traveled back to kill him. And at the same time, Arnold Schwartz, a Terminator from before, shows up, now reprogrammed to be a protectinator. So the two of them have to fight. Bad robot, good robot fight. Um, and only one of them survives, and only one of them learns to love. And also, neither of them survive, but that doesn't matter. The point is, one one learns to love. And also, his mom does not. So, real well, bad yeah. mom. Well, she does. I think you're really... I mean, Sarah Connor is I, I, one of my favorite like action heroines, easily of all time. But, like, her character arc in this movie is definitely more expanded on in the expended edition. Yeah. But, like, her, you know, like... There's a great moment. Again, it's not incredibly subtle, but, like, the first, like, quiet moment she has with John, 
he thinks she's going in for a hug, but she's just checking for knife wounds. And yeah. at the end, yeah. <laughs> when she gets like that full embrace, like reaches out to embrace him after he stops her That's from fair. becoming a Terminator, like she does, she does a little bit learn to love, but quite still, a bit. but also there's, she's there's had no way you can make up for that 16 years of constant torture that his life has been. This is well, not a well-rounded I mean, child. Well, okay. <laughs> yes. But to be fair, I want to see you deal with the pressure of the mind fuck that Sarah Connor gets dropped on right. in the first movie. I yeah. mean, Sarah Connor's introduction in this movie is one of the most iconic film introductions of all time. Her doing the pull-ups on the chair, how's your knee... Yeah, uh, just incredible. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's great. But all I'm saying is, she could do everything else exactly the same, and when she sees her son for the first time, pretend she gives a shit. Like that's that's the only change she, I would make. Is like at one point, just remember this is a kid who has feelings. Just for a second, very brief. Just like as you're driving uh, away, I love you, son, and then never again. You don't even have to mean it. Just like one yeah, line she, different. I mean, she. <laughs> this, is, this is some classic. Falcone yes. moralism just yeah. like being applied to this to Linda uh to Linda's character here. Yeah. I and, mean uh, like she's, she she's stressed out, man. Yeah. She's really and, stressed out. Like <laughs> she she loves him in her own way, but ultimately that's not important, right? This kid, I mean, like again, this it's not subtle. His name is JC. Oh. Jesus Christ, right? John mm -hmm. Connor. You see, you keep it's, saying things aren't subtle that I didn't notice, which is so condescending. I know, it's sad. It, 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 it isn't subtle, though. I, I have to second We're playing him, Trivial Pursuit, and every question yeah. before you read it to me, you say, ugh, another easy one. It really That's does sound doing. like that, though. I don't, I'm I don't, sorry, Alex. I don't mean it like that. I just, but, I mean, come on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that, literally. But um, also, but like, you he know, doesn't. There's a lot she of Jesus that aren't Jesus. Not in, not a lot of Jesuses who were prophesized to be. Yeah, there's a lot of JCs who aren't Jesuses, but there's no JCs who aren't prophesized to save the human race. <laughs> right. Who aren't Jesuses? Oh um, man, oh, I hate it when you say honestly, that way. That that kind of stuff is that's not even necessary. That's a, yeah, that's that the, is that's the kind of weak stuff. Actually, that no, that was, I, wait, no, wait. Actually, there's because there's more parallels, right? Because he technically um, helped get his mom pregnant. So that's another yes. Jesus yes. connection. No, yeah, it's right. it's it is incredibly uh, on the nose. But yeah. I mean, like yeah. again, like who. Her whole thing oh, is the laptop she says, just says like mother and Sarah Connor, father unknown, just like yeah. the Virgin Mary, yep. literally yeah. just like it. Yep. Um, but like the the whole idea of like she is just trying to keep him alive. She doesn't. She is trying to prepare him to be the savior of all mankind and the. Most mm -hmm. horrible post-apocalypse. She's trying to toughen him up, right? Did you, she can't. Did you guys like, ever do? Do you like take Psych One Hundred and One and they talk about the study uh, where they like had monkeys and they made a monkey be raised by um, a metallic monkey-shaped thing, oh, and then there's yeah, another yeah, one yeah. where they had the monkeys be shaped be raised by a metallic-shaped monkey 
cre- or a, a monkey-shaped metallic object covered in towels, and the monkeys turn out much healthier in the towel one because of the warmth of their mother. This is all right, I'm saying right. is I'm not saying she has to not be a robot monkey. She just needs to put a goddamn towel on at one point. I just feel like well, her not Alex, seeing I that think, is I weird. I think, Alex, Alex, I think after the story is done... And they're not being chased by a psycho killer robot <laughs> from the future. She probably does lighten up yeah. a little bit. You think? Well, yeah. I, it depends on what, I mean, what version you watch. She, because I watched that alternate ending, and she's just alone, drunk at the park, ignoring him. So I don't feel like she does a great job with well, him. That, okay, that alternate ending is not. That's not admissible in court. Oh, yeah. That's something they made. They saw it, and they were like, "This is bizarre. We do not do this." Yeah. Uh, I, we'll get to that. We will. We will. Do, okay. I do want to say, like, all right, yeah. so, um, like, again, she does have that moment with him later That's in true. the she movie. She puts on a towel at the but, end. You're right. But, yeah, again, Alex, like, you understand the point. This is going to sound very condescending, <laughs> but this is real film school 101 type of thing. But the point of a story is you don't have people wearing the towels to use your metaphor in the, the whole first time, right? act. They should grow right. as change. I it's understand not a that. good yeah. source of drama if everyone is covered in <laughs> towels and they're all soft and stuff. Like, right. That's not where stories come okay, from. Okay, okay. So that's a fair point, I guess. But you're also misunderstanding what I said. What my point was more like, <laughs> there's less towel than I think would be necessary for it to show a yeah, good Yeah, it didn't hit the right. kind of baby bear's bowl of porridge of towel yeah. yes. ratio. Yeah, exactly. look, Alex. Alex, you have a guy lick your face not 20 minutes before this. Man, and what then you, was that for? Because it's a, uh, the sort of like, well, I've always been in two minds of that. Is it, it's obviously supposed to be showing that he's a little bit of a creep and deserves yeah. to have his face. Well, a lot of bit. Yeah, a lot but, of yeah. bit of the creep. But his face pushed in by a fucking broom handle in yeah. about five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my someone pointed out to this to me a few years ago when I was watching it is that he's testing to see if she's faking it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If she yeah. is, like, faking the, the, the comatose thing. The state, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But so maybe even like he knows it's weird, but he's like, she'll definitely react if I do this. But he could have given her a wet willy if he didn't want to be a that, real yeah, creep about exactly. it. Exactly. Then he would have um, been a goofball and not a creep. Um, but although I, that's what, I mean, I'm, I'm pretending I didn't know why that happened because it was gross. But when as soon as it happened, my wife goes, what? And I was like, it's probably so it's OK if she kills him later. And then two minutes yeah. later, yeah. well, because because that's the thing is like you do that sequence would not work because like people that work at mental institutions are not. They have to be made to be evil yes, so that we yes. know that they're evil so that they can be killed on screen yes. or yeah. hurt or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's the... Like, if she just um, killed some hardworking uh, people in the mental health industry... Yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, you're not really going to be weird. like, yeah. fuck yeah! Like, <laughs> no, you're going to be like, whoa, this is weird. That's very... Okay, so I actually, I was pretending to be dumber than I am. I caught that one. I did catch that one. That's good. Yeah. Um, can I ask you guys a couple of uh, uh, quick questions in our normal yeah. segment, No Stupid Questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we um, brought this up a little bit uh, last week, but just like m- give me the, the the short version of why I should care about James Cameron because Titanic and Avatar are both just awful, terrible things, and it. Well, so I mostly mm, think of him I, as just like so, high well, budget well, I, over CG schlock. But you're saying well, uh, he's not. I I would I. I Hunter, I, I think I think I think I think Hunter, it's your turn. You haven't you haven't. Yeah. So uh, so I feel like it's it's great that you asked this question because I feel like we have talked a little bit too much about 
what this movie means, which is good because we are, it is film school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like, you know, you can do, if, if Terminator 2 was a course in film school, it would be, they'd do it in one class. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be it'd just be yeah. like, and we're done with Terminator 2. Yeah. That's all the stuff in there. However, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Think about it. Yeah, that is what we're doing. So this is great. This is a perfect movie for this. Um, if you talk about James Cameron more in the sense of uh, filmmaker as craftsman mm-hmm. that like creates uh, wonderful sequences that are very well executed, meticulous, and interesting. Not to say that we haven't said that at all thus far, but I do feel like that is where James Cameron truly shines. I mean, even you decided Titanic and Avatar, two of like, as far as uh, special effects movies go, uh, basically revolutionary, like kind of one of a kind mm. movies, basically. And also Especially be, Titanic. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I was going to say something with this movie, why I really love this movie, one of the things that drives me back to it, um, is that it's it's this very specific time in movie special, like, versus special versus practical versus, like, visual effects type mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. where this is a real like every tool in the toolbox type of thing like there are mm-hmm. like the opening few you know shots of like the future war you have everything from like really detailed monitors to like miniatures and to, models or mod- monitors monitors yeah both. you have like full robots with cg with like rear projection behind them like it's just like enforced perspective in front yeah, of it it's yeah. just like Everything that it's you can do to make it, you can really learn a lot about where sort of this was the pinnacle of that type of craft. And even like Titanic, like to say that it's CG schlock is, is, is I think it's like the type of thing that if well, you those really are two, look two different at like, things. One is that there's a lot of CG, and the other one is that yeah. the plot is schlocky. So those are two well, separate I, criticisms. First off, I I'm gonna go on a little rant here in a minute but i want to get back to that it's in a about second, time yeah because i feel like about so far time, the show has been to, too much back and forth um <laughs> but i i feel that like his i think what hunter is right is the technical craftsman of james cameron and yeah. if you look at him from like how to put together the type of movie that works in any language to any audience you can take a lot from him yes it is very uh, i don't i don't think schlocky is the word i think simple is the word i would use to describe most james cameron See, i don't movies. i don't find not, this to be schlocky they, at all so no, I, I mean there's a difference between this and titanic and well and, I mean, for, and for the well okay wait alex so the one mm-hmm. that's about a killer robot mm-hmm. from the future mm-hmm. Is not schlocky, right? But the one about a real life boat crash that <laughs> happened in real life mm-hmm. is schlocky. Yes. Explain that. I need to know. Okay. I need to I mean, get I don't... why one is and one isn't. Sure, uh, sure. Some things with good topics are bad, and some things with bad topics yeah. are good. Well, I just want to say, Alex, I, I don't, I don't think that I, I don't. I'm not saying this is you, but I feel like. I side-eye anyone roughly in my age group, males in particular, who dislike (laughs) Titanic, Uh because I think that there is inherently uh, a layer of misogyny that our entire generation was raised with with that movie, uh, that I think that, like... Like, the whole... I think a huge part of why people don't like Titanic and uh, this bleeds over into Avatar... It's because women enjoyed that movie so much. Oh. Uh, I think it's the same thing as like why you know Twilight is considered garbage, but Ready Player One is considered high out. You know when it first came out. Why mm-hmm. you know when I look back on it and I see 
uh, the music that was marketed to me as a 12-year-old and the music that was marketed to my wife as a 12-year-old, uh, I definitely would take Britney Spears over Limp Bizkit any day of oh, the week. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But, and that's something that I've, like, worked as I've gotten older to really acknowledge. And I, I love, think I love I, uh, Britney, and I do not care yeah. for the Bizkit. Yeah, but I think <laughs> that there is a lot, because Titanic, this movie mostly championed and rallied by teenage girls in our time period, really pit something in a lot of guys I know. Again, not saying this is you. You could like it for no, no, no. You completely can, you can valid point, you can point this to me. This is a fair point. Yeah, but I think that it really bleeds into it being like, fuck, man, my cool action guy movie got dethroned because, you know, well, okay, Star okay, Wars so that, that part gets a little Titanic. different because I did not, I also, I, my next question about this is going to be like, why didn't people tell me the, ter- the Terminator was good? Because it seemed really cheesy until I actually watched it in the last few, because I only watched Terminator the first time a couple years ago. Um, so it's not exactly that. I think there is definitely some, like most of the problem, uh, I think, is that I was a 15-year-old boy and Leonardo DiCaprio was like, I'm a hot boy child that everyone's going to come watch be hot boy and that's not something that I'm super excited about and so it does and then you know it's just my heart will go on and on and on it's like the cheesiest thing I've ever heard and so that that feeling of it of just like right this is the love story of all time which is just person meets Leonardo DiCaprio when he's super hot and so nothing else matters and then uh, there's this a lot of CG that doesn't age well and that is a bad set of uh, things together I agree with you that I think that's a very very fair point and especially on a podcast whose sort of founding principle was that we did not like Twilight um, is uh, it's not only fair but it hurts well it's it's a one-two punch right so I think I think it's like a bit of it is that the other you know so I don't think James Cameron is crying himself to sleep on his giant pile of, you know, Pandora-shaped bed yeah, made he of does, money. He does, he does uh, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is it's a double-edged sword where he, he sort of like, because he makes, you know, not only is every single one of his films since Terminator 2 the most expensive movie ever made for uh-huh. its time. Yeah. Uh, but it's also most of them are the highest grossing films ever made. So mm-hmm. it's just like anything that is inherently super popular. It's an easy, uh, easy thing to shit on. Uh, and it's like there's a whole nother part that I'm not really going to go into. But I, I believe a part of that Avatar hate is a psyop by the CIA because of that film's <laughs> anti-military industry <laughs> complex. Okay, uh, it's not it, like I mean a big part of that is that the writing is awful, and another big part is that it goes all in on 3D, which is the worst technological Again, advance in you movies. You can see that movie in 2D. It doesn't go all in on 3D. It's I it's mean, been seen more in 2D than it has well, in 3D. Yeah, because nobody in the world wants 3D movies. It's a bad idea that needs to stop. Yeah. Anyway, we need to wrap I'll, on this. I'll see okay. James Cameron's next 3D movie. So here's my second Here's my second question that I've sort of hinted at, um, which is um, I, 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 I felt this way when I originally saw it, but my wife felt the same way just now. So she watched this movie with me. She'd never seen any of them. And she said she really enjoyed it. And she was like, why did nobody tell me that Terminator was good? So where does what? that come from? Yeah, that's... No, here's I do think that the like I feel like it is less respected because it is an action movie. And so where I, does act where do action movies I, fall in this I part, think this you're pantheon? Absolutely oh. just like 
I'm well, so I, confused. Yeah, I think you are just, like, in a weird Alex world over there, but everyone... I don't think I've met anyone besides you who doesn't know that Terminator is a good movie. Terminator 1 and 2 are a good movie. Well, uh, okay. I, I, I mean, so that might be a little There are a couple, there are a couple different, different angles we could go at this, attack this from. And maybe we should, be, uh, when you decide which one to pick, remember the segment's called No Stupid Questions, and adjust yeah. your tone accordingly. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I just, I just mean it's in Hunter's like, turn. It's Hunter. Hunter, you yeah. get in here. What are you saying? <laughs> All right, my turn. Uh, so, uh, does she mean that she just personally didn't know, or did she think that action movies is is the point here? Action movies are not high art, are not worthy of the condescending film school halls that to be to be studied. I or my, that is, is my it, impression, yeah, and that is, so that's exactly right. That part. So so why. Like, is that true? And if so, why? So there is no high art, low art. That I'm going to be really postmodern right now mm-hmm. and just kick out the whole idea and kind of just cite, and this has been cited so many times, but there's a very good Werner Herzog quote where he's talking about how you need to look at, like he, how he's talking about wrestling and how he's fascinated by wrestling. This is all, anything that is um, big uh, cultural touchstones, and I would definitely say that Terminator is that, is worthy of this level of discussion. We could talk about any movie in slightly condescending film school, uh, really, and it would, be, it would be worthy just because a movie is a movie and there's something you're going to get out of, out of talking about it. And high art, low art is uh, bullshit and does not exist. It's not real. I mean, I think that kind of the point I was trying to make, a, I didn't mean to come off super insulting there. It's, it's but just, what I, if you could just be slightly it, condescending, uh, just stay in that water zone. Just slightly. But, but there is like, you know, there is like, if you look at sort of like the big awards prestige movies, there is like this huge blind spot. Like if the Academy Awards actually cared about films, stunt performing would be a category. Yeah, right. oh for God, sure. Action yes. editing would be a category because there are these different skill sets that are incredibly impressive that just completely will never get their just award because like pitting people in like white wigs and fancy makeup is what they consider yeah. prestige, right? It's and there is like you can live in that circle, and I think that again, it's that sort of like if something is populous and popular, it somehow becomes. Uh, you know, um, it's if not it's, difficult difficult enough to enjoy or something like that. That if it it's kind of part low. of our collective like cultural landscape, and I would definitely say Terminator is that. Like it, yeah. it is it is a movie that has a lot of implications. Like even just in other movies, like like Terminator's DNA is in uh, lots of other yes. movies. Basically. I mean, it's uh, another one of those movies again that has been parodied to death. The yeah. amount right. of iconography and imagery and stuff that you know you if you have not seen this movie there's like jokes in wayne's world 2 you're not gonna get you know what i mean like there's dozens of simpsons references and the list goes on and on all right so so um i think it's a good answer so i want to um do one more stupid question but before we do that um because you mentioned the something like why isn't there why is there not a stunt category in the Oscars? Because there's so many categories in the Oscars that are just boring and inexplicable to me. Um, whereas I think uh, stunt acting would be, is very clear. And like the, clearly the stunts in this movie are incredible. And I would love to see an Oscar where the winning team all 
limps and crutches up onto stage <laughs> and accepts an award. Well, I think that would be if they're, if they're It would doing also their be great because right. we would probably see better uh, stunt choreography because they would actually have something. You would see movies made that were, are literally trying to win that award. Yeah. Instead of now, it just seems like there's almost no reason. Yeah. I mean, there's Whereas a John everyone's Wick just movie making a movie trying it. to win sound mixing. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, I think it's because you can already get the feeling like when they have to nominate like a Transformer film for best special effects, the Academy's just like, oh, God, I guess we technically fucked ourselves into this corner. You know, I mean, like yeah, this- why? So that's such an interesting point that special effects get a category, which now is just like a team of 200 nerds who just came out of CalArts drawing tiny pixels. And mm-hmm. the team of people who are being dr- like dragged under a bus are getting no consideration. I think that's very strange. Well, we we I mean we do less and less of that work. I mean, movies are not as like what what's cool about Terminator 2 is when you watch it, uh it looks uh like it was dangerous to make. It like people I mean, were risk their lives this way, to the make way it. I felt in um, Mad Max Fury Road where I was like this is scary for people. Like, Somebody's gonna get hurt. Somebody is like, on that truck on its side driving through this wall, yeah, and yeah, I know that yeah. today they wouldn't be. It would be CG, right? It would be a, you, you could, and you'd be able to tell still because we're not that good at drawings. So you'd be like, oh, this is a that looks like a weird rubbery robot computer person on this thing. But now you're like, right. there's some dude who only vaguely looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger on the side of this truck, and he's so he's so oh, he's gonna die. It's so scary. Well, I, I think Fury Road, it really is the proof that we want that those types of movies to be made. We want to sit in a movie. Like, I mean, watching Fury Road was like the kind of magic that I remember from watching Terminator the first time of seeing yeah. like unbelievable stuff happen in front of the camera that like those Marvel movies never, I nothing. have never oh, felt no, yeah. that way. Nothing. Yeah, I feel nothing. You, thousands like and thousands only... of innocent people are killed when a building falls over because somebody punched it and we feel nothing. It's just the, whatever. The only real like director working like that today is like Chris Nolan does most of his stuff practical, yeah. but he's dog shit at shooting and editing action, so you can barely <laughs> tell anyway. Um, and it is like you know that does it does bum me out that James Cameron is going to spend so much time in his like motion capture world, but I do think it is cool at the same time. Like if if you look at the technologies invented for Avatar, it's insane he invented three whole new types of cameras like that completely shoot movies differently than anything before it so i think he is the you know there is like going into like that special effects world you can certainly do really cool stuff but yeah i mean i don't know why you would want to become a director to hang out in a volume with a fake camera when you can like blow stuff up all day that just seems like the much more fun job definitely more stressful yeah uh, i do feel a little guilty now that we're talking about how danger like wanting things to be more dangerous for the people involved i feel a little bad about that um but uh, well i'm yeah i i I feel like uh it is it's not like these people don't exist that want to do these jobs and like they are they not allowed to pursue that passion? I think is the way I would reframe hmm. yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like these, I, I Are really, these people not artists because it's dangerous? I really like, yeah, want Alex, them to I be would, safe. I don't want accidents yeah. to ever happen to them, and I also want it. It's sort of like the circus. I don't yeah. want. No one wants to watch somebody fall, but we really want it to seem like they could at yeah. any moment. 
Yeah, Alex, I'm just going to say, just pull up literally any interview with the stunt guy and all your yeah. <laughs> concerns will be alleviated. They love this shit. Yeah, they oh, are yeah, so into it. Nobody goes into stunts because like they need the money or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, <laughs> so it's not like a blue this. collar job. I have one, um, like, a friend of a friend uh, who is a stunt, stunt person, and she thinks the reason she got into it is because she is lactose intolerant. And uh, her mom didn't believe her. So growing up, her mom would force her to have a glass of milk with dinner every night. And it hurt so bad. So she developed this incredibly high pain tolerance. And so she feels like she could do all this stunt work, which is like, oh, this, um, you know, this uh, Harlequin is going to hit me in the head with a baseball bat 200 times tonight. And I feel fine because it's not milk. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is really crazy. That's legit. I think it's so interesting. Idea. Anyway, so employee of the month for this movie, I wanted to hand to the stunt crew. But last question, and then we got to we well, wrap things up. I think out of time, if, Anthony. I just want to say, if I'm going to give an employee of the month to anyone on this movie, it would be the incredible Stan Winston and Stan Winston Studios. Who <laughs> yeah. What, what, or what, are you, what, what do you mean? Uh, Stan Winston was a, a like a practical uh, and monster and set design, not costume designer. Ro- if you needed a robot or something, Stan Winston was your mm-hmm. man. He designed oh. the Terminator robots. He designed the Predator. He uh, has a list longer than uh, basically anyone else in terms of movie history. The the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, he made all those physical models. And man, the work he did on uh, Terminator 2, specifically the MVP for me is when the T-1000 pulls open the elevator doors and gets shot in the head and his body like splits right down the middle that puppet is so fucking cool it's Uh, so good it's such a good puppet uh good puppet i like it if you're Uh, interested he does have stan Stan winston now um uh, rest in peace Oh yeah, yeah. The Stan Winston is now just a school of character arts, uh, where you can take yes. his online classes in sculpture and makeups and stuff. Um, yeah, man, what a this, and the the CG of the of the Terminator is very well utilized, so that it still does look like early '90s CG a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, but it looks great. It works well. Yeah. It's it's not overdone. It, it's, it's smart that they only use the CG in relation to the one character. Yeah, and so it's a character it, from the future doing a crazy, yeah. impossible physics thing, so it makes some right. sense that it looks a little off. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. good. I, I, I completely agree. Okay, so Stan Winston gets the Employee of the Month, and then, um, as usual, the stunt crew gets drafted. Last question. <laughs> so we watched, it was very important to you guys that we watched the theatrical cut. I read a little bit about what the other, uh, the special edition has in it, and all of it sounded kind of weird and boring. Um, and then you sent me, Anthony, you sent us the alternate ending, which is oh yes, banana pancakes. Because oh, you also sent us the alternate ending to Titanic, which is very. It's actually like really to um, James Cameron's credit that twice he had movies where the last scene is a character saying what you really should do is live each day like it might be your last and treasure those around you and he cut both of them that is yeah incredibly <laughs> uh good uh keeping himself under control but yeah. so explain the other versions and the alternate endings what are they why why do they exist why should i care so you know like most james cameron movies uh that the very long theatrical cut is usually not the long version he wanted uh, so there's usually a director's cut. He always wants it to be. He, so they're long, but yeah. he wishes they were longer. 
Yeah, but I mean, stuff like, you know, I do think like Aliens or Terminator 2, there's some very good scenes in the director's cut. Uh, there's a scene when Kyle Reese comes back in the director's cut uh, in like a dream that she has when she's in the yeah. mental institution. There's some really good character stuff with Sarah Connor. There's a scene when they, they flip a switch in Arnold's head so that he goes from being able to, like, not learn to learn so that halfway through the movie when he just starts, like, learning new expressions, that's explained. Right. But it's not really needed. Uh, yeah. But the the uh, the alternate ending for Terminator 2, if you have not seen it, I cannot suggest enough watch what would have... The only good thing about it is that it would have killed the franchise. That's dead. what I was just going to say. We would it's, not have the gotten... Reason, it seems like they couldn't have done that because it really would have stopped 3 through 7. Yes, right. which would have been a blessing. Yeah. But uh, so Terminator Two, I love the ending, the final shot of this movie. Just the lights on the freeway with the future, like the road slowly being revealed. Is again, it's a very great metaphor yeah. for the the path these characters are on now. But if you haven't seen the alternate ending, what it is, it's Linda Hamilton in some really bad old woman makeup. Oh yeah, uh, terrible monologuing makeup. about how. Everything was hunky-dory, and rather than fighting for mankind on the battlefield, uh, John Connor fights for us on the floor of the Senate. <laughs> and they're in, like, a DC... The place we put park. all of our biggest heroes on the Senate well, yeah. floor. Just imagine if someone ran for the Senate. It's like, John Connor, why do I know that name? Oh, him and his mom blew up that computer factory <laughs> and caused an incident at a smelt, like, 30 years ago. Yeah, but, he, he, hey, he I, made a really bad batch of steel because of all of his actions. Yeah. Um, just in, the insanity that he would end up on the Senate floor is hilarious to me. But it's yeah, the same it's actor so from the from the flash forward at the beginning of the movie. Uh, he doesn't have his cool skull. He has like a kid. And like I get that like there's this motif throughout the film of Linda Hamilton in like a playground, uh, yeah, and it's right, like she's finally in one, and it's it's nice. And she's day uh, drunk. Yeah, and but it's just awful. It is one of the worst endings. I can't, like the fact that they actually shot it and edited it together, uh, and got to the point when they could cut it blows my mind. Only so through James Cameron's sheer will of force. Could they have even have gotten that far? I it's funny. Uh, I think of so when I hear about alternate endings as someone who's not reading much about film, but when I, when they trickle down to me, it's usually like, oh, did you hear about the original ending? It's really dark, and Americans hated it, so it only got released on the European version. I feel like that's my association with alternate endings. Mm -hmm. I'm not used to hearing about them as like this was a horrible decision that would ruin the end of this movie and the whole franchise. So. Are there a lot of movies that have terrible endings that got cut and we don't talk about them? Yeah, I mean, yes, but most of the time we don't hear about it because Do a it lot is, of movies have two different endings that were filmed and edited? I mean, it happens quite a bit, especially now with modern films when, like, reshoots are, like, built into the schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, nowadays they will just throw out the whole last two hours of the movie and basically reshoot all of it. Right. Which happens more and more. So, yeah, yeah there's certainly that. But, like, sometimes you just make, you know, swings and misses. Also, you know, movie... This, Hollywood is insane. Most movies are being shot without a finished screenplay, so they're literally mm -hmm. just winging it every day. 
Uh, so yeah, a lot of times you end up having a film completely saved in the edit. Uh, that's not, I'm not saying that's what this movie was. It was right. just, you know, they had a very But a hokey... bullet was dodged at the end. Yeah, right. I mean, but that's, you know, a lot of movies have that. Usually it is the kind of like, this ending is too bleak, so the studio made them put on a happier one. Uh, well, this one, and is I only like, like I as I was, I think I, this is mostly like when I was younger, but I only ever heard about those in cases where the bleak ending sounded way cooler. Yeah, I mean that usually <laughs> the ending they force them to change is like the oldest idea, right? So like it makes sense that yeah. it would be the more thematically appropriate. This is just a good example of like James Cameron and his. His instincts sometimes can tilt too far one way. And, like, I really want to put a big fucking bow on this thing. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm very Which glad. Which he also wanted to do on Titanic and apparently was not allowed to do. Yes. Oh, my God. The Titanic ending is <laughs> one of so the most bad. awkward. Because, uh, uh, again, the ending of Titanic is very neat and kind of, like, somber. But the original ending was, like, this hokey laugh and dance fest on yeah. the boats it's yeah. just insane yeah. uh i don't know what he was thinking they make me doubt he has any talent at all both yeah. these endings if right. it wasn't for the films the good films that well, preceded that's why, them yeah i just i kind of wish that anything that got edited out was lost forever in the in in cases where it would have made it worse because i feel bad like they did edit yeah, it's they, not fair they made the right choice but I right. feel like if we get rid of that, then we can't say, oh, there was a cool bleak ending on the European version mm -hmm. that would have been better. So, mm -hmm. like, we lose the well, good Well, it's also like, you know, like, Alex, would you like it if people got to see the version of the joke that you now love, but you used to tell and it didn't yeah, work? Like, oh, or man, even this is, just like this is a, the, the tag he tried for two weeks back in 2018 that yeah, no right. one ever liked. And then people are, like, writing yeah. about it. Like, that's how notable this yeah. thing is that oh, you know yeah. isn't good. That you didn't like, even choose. I took it out of the movie. I did what I, <laughs> I yeah. did my best. Why are you writing about this? I said it wasn't good by not having it in the movie. Like, this yeah. is nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I, I mean, would really a draft of it and, be, and making fun of it. It does feel kind of well, dirty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like the, you know, there's an expression in movie making that anytime you make a movie, you make it three times, right? Oh, when right. you write it, that's making the movie once. When you shoot it, that's making the movie a second time. And then when you're editing it, you're basically making the movie again. So it's like, it's three different versions. So like, it's the type of thing I can totally see that working on the page, right? Like it's, but it's like, once you get there and it's not until you assemble it all that you're like, oh, this just... It does not this work. This does yeah. not work, especially after. Cheese. This is interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's a really good. And then, and then, it, like George Lucas makes a movie four times. Well, yeah, he yeah. just goes back. Well, he never stops. I mean, George Lucas, yeah. you know, famously yeah. said, yeah. "Movies are never finished; they're abandoned." Yeah. Uh, was, no, no. That, he was that, quoting that somebody. Was great, he was quoting that, someone saying that. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, he just decides to go back and tinker forever until. Eventually, a company has to pay him four billion dollars for to the rights of off. his work. Yeah, yeah, to right. fuck off. Well, and and that's. I mean, I do agree that, that like I like, the quote makes sense that that all creative projects like just oh what there was a version of this that I heard recently that was really good and I wish I could attribute it properly but it's like they don't um you don't like finish it you just stop and hopefully at an interesting place. And I yeah, like that yeah. version of it. And I think George Lucas's thing that you that it, it, he didn't want to live with his abandonment would be totally 
interesting if he didn't a hundred percent make everything worse that he touched that way. Like if there, if if you went back the way we're watching this alternate ending and we were watching the original cut of star Wars without the special edition being like, wow, this is noticeably cheesier and worse. And he made it cooler and finished this thing up. We wouldn't be as mad. It's that every time he did that, he fucked it up. Yeah. So and I then- like the idea. I just think he blew. I'd love to write, uh, like have people write like this is an updated version of my novel taking into consideration the criticism I received and improving on the product but that's not how he did it no mm-hmm. I mean he he went as far as like s- destroying the originals so that no one could yes, ever like restore them and, he, and, he made and then it worse in every way and then as he sold the company went and added just a few more things just to, as one final fuck you which I kind of admire. Yeah, that I do. Uh, admire, but but it also hurts us. All right. Um I need to wrap up on that. Um any final thoughts on Terminator 2? Anything that we like drastically? I guess I guess sort of like last week I've been so interested in talking about the thing that I haven't just said the facile response to it which is that I did this is a kick-ass movie. I really enjoyed it. Um Yes. Yeah. It wasn't my first watch. I had seen this and I'd forgotten that I watched it. But then when I was watching, I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. And the reason was um, four years ago, I was a movie critic um, to everybody's chagrin and um, for the <laughs> local arts weekly in Portland. And one of them, the less cool one. And so I had to watch Terminator Genesis and I had never seen anything Terminator before. And so I like was like, this doesn't feel super fair. So I went back and I, and I was like, well, the internet says the first two are good and the rest aren't. So I'll just go watch one and two, like back to back on my laptop. And I was, I enjoyed them. They're very good, but yeah. it was not like a great watch. And that's why it kind of had faded in my memory. So, um, mm-hmm. but I had a great time. Um, there's so many fun things. And just, I guess my one, my one last little thing I want to point out is that my wife and I cheered when the LAPD helicopter crashed. Because they, the LAPD, fun fact, has one helicopter, and it's always above my apartment. So wow. <laughs> it is fucking annoying. We are so sick of that goddamn thing buzzing in circles around Koreatown. And so watching it blow up was really cathartic and delightful. That's well, great. You know what you got to do, Alex. You've seen the solution <laughs> to your problem. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, that's true. That whole scene with them blowing up the computer place was also really over the top for what you need to do to destroy computers. Like spill a coffee on one of the things and that whole place is fried. Like you don't have to actively <laughs> blow up servers. I don't Just, know, Alex. I think, I think they were taking it a little seriously because it did, it would mean the end of the world if they messed it up. <laughs> well, no, because all you'd have to do, but no, you're right. They should have carried in barrels of hot coffee <laughs> that they had just made fresh. No, in here's order. What you do. here's what you do. Cause it'd be way less suspicious if you didn't have any guns. So you just have that nerd guy go in and you're like, look, just really quick. Dude, that guy look. didn't even want to let them in before he knew they had guns. Like that guy no, was no, like, no, no you can't go in oh, here. That's true. That's true. But, um, Wait till the next day at work, have him go in and say, just install Windows Vista on one of the servers. Whole thing is ruined. No one can get to any of the files ever again. And they know it worked because the Terminator is like, oh, well, I'm not here anymore. And then he fades away. I mean, Alex, yeah. I, know, I know I'm not like a director in, in charge of a multi-million dollar production, but sometimes when I hear your things, I... <laughs> I understand what it's like to get a studio note that's just like, instead in this, why don't they just instead go in with a copy of Windows Vista and you're just sitting there like the fucking suits. I Look, swear I, to God. You're right, you're right. On the other hand, just, that was a very good Windows Vista joke that's not getting its due. Right. It was good. It was good. It was good. good, yeah. All right. Anyway, no, I, I, that, that's our final word. We got to wrap. Um, uh, we're going to end on that. 
What about that part when Arnold picked up that baby? That's a great part. Oh like yeah, that. he holds Incredibly. a baby weird. I like that. I, I love when cats pick up uh, like baby cats by the neck like or that, the rump. Yeah. That's how he held a baby. I liked it a lot. All right, now we're really ending. Now that's it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will be back uh, next week. That is it for our program. Next week, we're going to be watching Meshes in the Afternoon, the 1943 Ooh. experimental film. So if you remember our metaphor from a few weeks back about some uh, sh- movies being uh, soda to watch because they are delicious and have caffeine. Some things are coffee in that they have caffeine, but are also a much more difficult taste to acquire. So Maya Darren's uh, art piece is what uh, Hunter has called some strong coffee. Strong coffee. So we're going to watch some weird shit next week. Currently on dis- uh, on viewing in a 17-minute loop at MoMA, if that tells you um, what kind of a viewing experience I should anticipate. You can also watch it on YouTube. So if you just, if you want to, it's it's also short. It's 17 minutes. Yeah. So watch it on YouTube, and then we can all talk about it. I And if you want the full MoMA experience, just move your couch further from the TV and have a stranger sit next to you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love the video room in any art museum where it's like two people are really into it, one dad who's like just his feet hurt, and uh, and then like people who pop in and look for a minute and then leave. That's anyway. Yep. Anyway, this is some my moment experience. So uh, all that next week uh, meshes of the afternoon. I said in the afternoon, but it's of the afternoon. Very different film. Don't watch meshes in the afternoon. That's a porn. Um, yeah, that's a porn parody of an experimental <laughs> film made in 1943. <laughs> uh, so we will be doing that next week. And um, please, if you are uh, available and interested, and only in those two cases, watch our. Um, if you want, if you want a version of this done live and with a video game playing, um, you can hear Anthony and Hunter be slightly condescending to me about video games this Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific. Twitch.tv/slash Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. I'll look forward to talking to you in a couple days. Thanks for being here, Hunter. Yeah, thank you, Alex. And uh, Anthony, it's always great talking to you, buddy. Always so much fun. I really enjoyed getting to do this. I'm very much looking forward to next week. Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't know how much fun... I, I suspect that neither of you are going to like thoroughly enjoy the 16 minutes or whatever you spend watching this, but I think oh, you no, spend the whole it. time no, thinking I, about how fun yeah. knowing that I'm sad is for you. No, I don't even think you'll be that sad. I, I, I picked this thinking, what could we do that m- would be weird, different, interesting, and not lose you? I don't want to pick oh. movies like that this oh, time. I'm trying okay. to okay. I'm trying to get I'm trying to find an experimental movie, experimental silent movie that Alex walks away from being like, that was good. I liked that. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Well, I, now I'm okay. Great. I thought because I do like strong coffee, so I thought you were doing the bad version of that, but I'm actually going to like this one. All right, cool. So, oh, I guess, so to complete that metaphor, what you're saying is this is like a well-made hipster-grade espresso as opposed to a gas station strong coffee. Yeah, this is some hipster coffee for sure. Awesome. All right, we'll be back with that and more next week. Thanks for listening. Take care. Goodbye.